Episode number 286, From Franchise to Local Dive, How to Multiply Your Church, with Jason Moore and Roz Picardo. Part one. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Well, hey guys, this is Making Sunday Happen, the definitive podcast for those who plan, create, and execute worship experiences, both physical and digital experiences all around the world. Thank you so much for watching or listening to the show this week. We pray that we are a help to you as you minister in your church. You guys are on the front lines doing ministry week in and week out, and we pray that we are a help to you. Today on the show, I welcome Jason Moore and Roz Picardo, authors of the book From Franchise to Local Dive, How to Multiply Your Church. They wrote this book and released it early last year, and we were going to have them on, but when the pandemic hit, we kind of shifted some things around a little bit. I did have Jason on. Uh, That was episode number 243. Uh, If you want to take a dive into the archives and check out uh, that episode at makingsundayhappen.com. I had Jason on, and we talked uh, about his webinar uh, on how he was uh, helping churches with hybrid worship experiences, helping them tell the old story in a new way, in a new and fresh way. He's got a new webinar out called Both And, uh, and the premise of that webinar is uh, what we preach and teach on this podcast and and with our resources is that your online experience should be a campus of your church. You shouldn't just uh, treat it like something on the side. You stick a camera in the back of the room and it's the same thing. Uh, No, you need to pour just as much uh, energy into the physical uh, worship experience as you do the online worship experience as well. So uh, feel free to check him out, his both and webinar, uh, Jason Moore, Midnight Oil Productions. Uh, But uh, we thought we would circle back and talk about this book, From Franchise to Local Dive. The premise is not to be a cookie-cutter church. So don't expect to copy another church or even your own church if you're starting another campus or a plant. Uh, But really look at how your church can minister in the community that it's in. So what does it look like when it comes to music, when it comes to service flow, when it comes to creative elements that we include in our worship experiences and more? How are you uh, being contextual uh, in the community that you're in? How do you add contextual flavor to your worship experience, to your local expression, to your local dive, so to speak? So we'll also talk uh, about how to take your worship experience beyond Sunday uh, and live in the city that you're in, how you minister to your your community. We'll dive into how to make your local body unique and memorable to your community. So all that is this week and next week on the show. But first, let's check the mailbag. Here we go. For the mailbag this week, we are continuing to share behind-the-scenes photos of Sunday happening at your churches. These are photos of church media, worship, and guest services teams doing ministry 
each week. So if you're listening to this podcast, jump on makingsundayhappen.com and check out this episode so you can watch and view these photos. Uh, Here is a photo of the control room at Rose Heights Church in Tyler, Texas. I love their multi-view and how their volunteers are hard at work presenting the gospel. Uh, Here is a photo from North Point Community Church in Fresno, California. Uh, They're doing a recording for their online experience, and this might be you right now. It might just be you and the the pastor (laughs) in your auditorium as you record your messages uh, and content to send out. Now, that's okay. Don't think for a moment that you're not making a difference because you are making a difference. People are, are viewing that online. Lives are being changed. So thank you for what you do. If you have a photo or question for the mailbag, feel free to send it in. We would love to answer your question or showcase the work that God is doing at your church. You can email me, carl at 1230.media, or find me on social at Carl Barnhill. All right, part one of my interview with Jason Moore and Roz Picardo starts right after this. I'm Jason Moore. And I'm Rosario Picardo. And we're excited to tell you about our new book entitled From Franchise to Local Dive. Franchise to Local Dive is a resource designed to help you begin new things that fit the context you're in. Whether that's starting a new worship experience, revitalizing an old one, starting a second campus or multi-site ministry, this book has something for you. The book doesn't just present a handful of recipes to pick from and implement. Instead, it exposes the reader to multiple case studies and examples that lead you through a series of clarifying questions that we hope will help you form your own indigenous recipe. You might think of it as a coach you can carry around with you. We've talked with some of the most successful planters from all over the country and have learned some ministry-altering lessons that we're excited to share with you. To learn more about the book, how to order, and see on-camera interviews with some of the best church planters out there and what we call Franchise to Local Dive Road Trip, visit us at franchise2dive.com. Hey guys, today I welcome the authors of the book From Franchise to Local Dive, Multiplying Your Church by Discovering Your Contextual Flavor. I'm already hungry. Jason Moore and Rosario Picardo is in the house. So is it Rosario or Rosario? Let's set the record. Rosario, but for um, easy consistency, you can call me Roz. When I'm from New York to Kentucky, they didn't know how to say Rosario. So I got the nickname Roz. Nice, nice. Well, thanks for hanging out, guys. Um, Jason, let, let's kind of start with you. I know, uh, you know, obviously crazy year. Um, and me and you have talked a lot uh, about what you, you've you been doing with your webinars. So uh, give me, since the last time I had you on, man, you, your webinar stuff has, has exploded. The, the uh, denomination uh, uh, Methodist and, and otherwise, I think, uh, have really been hitting you for, for a lot of the webinars. You want to give us an update there? Sure, sure. I'm doing a, a new webinar called Both and Maximizing Hybrid Worship Experiences for Online and In-Person Audiences. And uh, that really grew out of the, the other conversation we had, the, the, the webinar that I did called Telling the Old Story in a New Time. Uh, 
the basic premise of the whole thing is that after doing about a year of online worship, I think we face a really critical time in the church right now because uh, for anybody who was doing online worship prior to the pandemic, the reality of that worship was that we talked to people in the room and at some point we turn to the camera and say, hey, if you're worshiping with us online, thanks for coming today. And then we continue to talk to people in the room. And since we didn't have another model, that felt okay. I liked being able to worship from vacation or or at home or whatever. And then when the pandemic hit, if you were doing worship online before, everything switched to talking to the camera. And then for many churches, they just jumped online for the very first time back in March. And so they've spent the entire length of their ministry online talking to the camera. So the challenge is, is as we get people back in the room, we don't want to turn the people in the room into the studio audience where we uh, are talking to the people at home, but the people in the room are providing the laughs and all the, the singing and all that. And we don't want to turn the people at home into observers of the experience just for the room. So I've devoted this whole two and a half hour training to uh, helping churches navigate how do we do both in-person and online in a way that neither audience feels like an afterthought. And uh, I have, gosh, almost 80 of these trainings uh, now scheduled with different annual conferences and fresh expressions and uh, and even outside of the United Methodist Church. Uh, and, and some of our mutual friends are actually talking about hosting as well. So it's been yeah. an incredible blessing and a really interesting time to be the church. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I, we kind of preach the same thing, this both and message. And uh, man, I'm glad that I, I just love it because, uh, yes, we need to be talking, not only talking to both audiences, but cr- crafting our experiences for both uh, both audiences. So, uh, uh, Roz, I know we, we've worked together some in the past. C- catch me up on where you guys are at, at Mosaic and what you've been up to the last year as an actual pastor on staff. Yeah, um, it's been a wild ride. So we were meeting in a movie theater. That's where we started out. And so it was set up and tear down and be in this mobile church. And then the pandemic hit. And then we went exclusively online, starting in the living room live and then doing some pre-recording from probably March till June. And then we returned for a five-month stint in drive-in parking lots all across the Dayton area. We'd be in a different parking lot every Sunday. So we'd set up a flatbed truck as our stage. We had the FM transmitters. Some people felt comfortable coming out. And so they got out and brought their lawn chairs. Other people stayed in their car. And it was just a great experience in in that regard. And then um, we moved indoors. We were blessed to sign a lease at an old um, department store in this larger mall in the Dayton area. And it uh, is 75,000 square feet. And so we actually ran a mini capital campaign initiative. Uh, Jason helped produce the video for us, which was outstanding. And we were able to meet our financial goal within nine days. So then we were able to launch services there. And then we have done something else. Uh, You know, Tom Rayner suggests that in 2021, we'll see more partnerships happening with local churches. And one of the things that we've entered into is what we call an adoption. And so we are adopting another congregation that was still strong, had vital signs of life. Jason actually coached them and they're going to become a a second campus of Mosaic Church. So lots of exciting things and really um, navigating this whole online 
phenomenon um, because, you know, Jason's talked about and you, the both and and how to do worship. And we actually hired on an online worship pastor that is the face of it. The problem for us right now is our insiders want to be in the room with us that are watching. They didn't want the slick pre-record or mm-hmm. both and they just want to be in. And so we're figuring things out what our strategy looks like. Nice. Well, I, I know that you guys wrote this book uh, from franchise to local dive probably a year and a half ago, two years, maybe. Uh, and so we had, I probably taught at the beginning of last year about about doing an interview to talk through this book, but obviously the things went went crazy. So uh, as we walk through it, I want to kind of walk through how it now relates and how we it can now still be relevant to uh, to create our own flavor in our in our own congregation. So Jason, you want to get us started? Why did you guys write the book and how is it relevant today? Uh, you know, it's it's a little unfortunate. We've talked to our publisher a little bit about uh, the uh, the uh, unfortunateness. I don't know if that's a word of uh, releasing a book at the beginning of a pandemic. Uh, we were all set to have a big launch, and we had a launch party scheduled, and you know, all kinds of things. And uh, and then, of course, the world shut down. Uh, I think, in some ways, this book is actually more relevant now than it was even before the pandemic hit. Um, as you know, from, from looking through the book, uh, it's really all about how to revitalize old things and create new recipes, which includes, uh, how to do online worship and, and even thinking about both end strategies and so on. So, so many of the lessons that are in the book, um, really still apply and maybe apply even more now as we think about how do we create a new, new recipe for a new time, a new world that we're living in. So much of what we know about the recipes of the past don't work in this particular setting. And so we have to think about how do we reformulate? So Ross, talk about who the book is for. Why, why would I pick it up? And what as a church leader or how, how does it relate to, to me? Who, who's it for? Yeah, I would say it's for not just pastors, but staff members and even lay folks uh, that really want to dig deeper into finding their local flavor for their congregation. And so um, a lot of times we don't know the audience that we're um, really is in our backyard. We don't know our neighbors. We don't know our context. So we look carefully at, you know, contextualization and this metaphor of uh, the local dive is really understanding how there are some local businesses that really understand what it means uh, to be active in their community. And so this really translates into worship because oftentimes worship can become predictable, stale. We know everything, all the movements, the order of how we do things. And it's no, um, it's monotonous. There's no excitement. Um, And so how do you expect the unexpected? How do you create that kind of atmosphere? Local dives do it all the time whether it's their signature meals or even in Dayton, we use this example. One of our favorite restaurants is Lily's Bistro that actually has a rotating menu. So you never get the same thing twice, but you're always wondering, what are they going to do next? How, how is this intriguing? And so it really gets church teams and, and folks to think about worship in new ways, 
and also if they're going to start another work, if it's another worship service, uh, revitalizing an existing congregation, or even starting new congregations, how do those things mix and blend together, um, it, which oftentimes can be hard. The larger and more complex the church, the harder it is to kind of stay unified. And so we propose just some different methodology in ways that can help um, alleviate any stress or heartache at the front end by there's having a, conversations. Yeah. There's a quote in the book uh, that I've been sharing a lot, even in my new both and training uh, from a, a businessman here in Dayton, Ohio, named Clay Mateel, who uh, started the Imes Pet Food Company. And he says, uh, the only difference between a groove and a rut is how long you've been in it. The only difference between a groove and a rut is how long you've been in it. And so we find that a lot of people have been living in this. They, they maybe found a new groove at some point, and that groove became a rut, and it became predictable and templated. And so we're trying to help people in this book get out of their groove into or get out of the rut into a new groove, which I guess is a little bit of a different metaphor, but um, that that's kind of the, the concept behind it. Well, I think Roz, you, you bring up the the local dive and Jason, maybe you can speak to that. So my, my kids have been gotten into cooking shows lately and they're, they're eight and 10. So it's partly because there's not much else on. Uh, so we've watched 90 shows in the cooking channel. That's about it. Um, but uh, but the, so this book is kind of inspired by Guy Fieri and the, the uh, I always get the name wrong, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. I always screw it up. Uh, it's kind of inspired by that show and showing that the local dive is, Roz, what you were saying. It, it's very, you know, you you either don't know what to expect or it's not the same thing. It's not McDonald's. I know I'm it's this and I know I got, uh, it's, it's a little bit more one of a kind. Do you want to speak to that, Jason? Yeah, I think, um, what makes a dive so appealing is that it has something that's unique and it really, uh, speaks to, uh, there's a flavor that people drive from all over to come to, and it may not be as famous. It may not be as, um, you know, perfect and, and uh, mass producible, but there's something special about it. You know, you'll never see Guy Fieri uh, stop at a um, Red Lobster or, you know, a, a Steak and Shake or um, I don't know if that's a national chain or not, but, um, you know, those kind of places. He's always looking for that kind of unique, special thing. And I think if we're not careful in the church, what we sometimes will do is sort of say, hey, we've got this thing and it works well, so let's just take it to a new city. And we don't really consider whether that city even has a uh, has a, an appetite for that particular recipe or, or palate. We have a good mutual friend, Roz and I do, uh, named George Acevedo, who told this, he was very vulnerable and told us a really great story about how their church that's based in Florida decided to plant a campus up in South Dakota um, I mean, they have done a really amazing job in Florida replicating, taking churches, uh, not replicating, but but bringing health to churches that needed some new DNA. And going to South Dakota, they didn't really know anything about South Dakota. They got there and found out that uh, the thing they were best at, which is doing um, recovery ministry, there were already two or three other ministries established in town that had been there for years. They had always done like rehabs on a church. They take a church and make it better. Mm -hmm. And they were building something from scratch and it didn't last very long because they really hadn't figured out, does, does this, does what we have meet the needs of this particular area? 
And so we're trying to get people away from that kind of big box franchise idea where you just take it and plop it in another city. Instead, you figure out what does this city need and how do we build something, a recipe that speaks to it. So let me push back on a rhetorical and you both of you guys might can speak to this. So are you saying that the franchise or the, the, the established church, the mega church, let's just say, are you saying that's bad? Local churches are good? Obviously not, but uh, speak to that some. Raj, you want to go first? Yeah, I would say um, we just introduced, there's different models. And in the body of Christ, there's so many different, you know, expressions of ways to encounter God in different traditions. So uh, we're not saying the megachurch is wrong. In fact, there's megachurches that are doing great things. But what we're finding is that megachurches are beginning to contextualize. And so we see this even with North Point. Uh, they're calling their campus pastors uh, lead pastors. Uh, they're di- they're differing even sermon series between campuses and the names and the there. name and the and um, with the worship songs and outreach. So uh, it's becoming clear that a one size fits all approach isn't effective in a ever changing climate in North America, and so. There's mega churches that are kind of taking those proactive steps and even ones that are unmulti-siting right now, like Redeemer Church in New York, um, you know, Matt Chandler's church in, in Dallas and other models that, okay, we're going to be more effective if we actually release these churches to fully embrace their identity, even though they're going to carry some aspect of our DNA with them. Mm-hmm. Roz and I both uh, have been on staff at megachurches. Uh, I've done a lot of consulting and work with megachurches. So we are not, certainly not saying that the franchise is a bad thing. I mean, the thing about a franchise that's good is that it has something worth replicating. Uh, you know, it it right. it has some strategies and some best practices that work. But even churches like Life Church have discovered on occasion that when you take Life Church to the wrong city, uh, it it doesn't always go. Like they've had a couple of uh, churches that they closed down uh, pretty quickly uh, because it didn't work in that other area. So we we really believe, and part of what the argument we make in the book is, if you're going to take something that already is established to somewhere else, you have to think in the context of what flavor is really going to meet this community and right. not just, uh, you know, there's got to be some nuance to it. You've got to have sort of the local version of the franchise if you're going to do that. Right. Yeah. And I've seen the same thing. I've worked at uh, two mega churches, uh, New Spring in South Carolina being the most recent. And uh, and yeah, so they would kind of survey the community first to see even if we are going to plop a campus down, is are we bringing something new to the community? And is it going to minister to this community and, and culture? And a lot of times it works. Sometimes it, it doesn't. So um so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, all right, so Roz, let's let's speak to this. There are some core strategies that if I'm going to go from if I'm going to multiply, plop a multi-site down, or if I'm going to uh, start a new dive in my area, uh, what are some core strategies that I know I have to have, and where can I deviate and uh, you know? add in some flavor based on the, on that community that I'm in. Yeah. Yep. I I think it starts first of all with what we call cultural exegesis. 
And so um, exegesis is the word of, you know, looking into the scriptures and bringing out what's already there in understanding things like authorship, trans, and, uh, you know, who the audience is. That's what you do. You're bringing out something in scripture. And when you ask those reflective questions, when you're doing cultural exegesis, you're bringing out the flavor of what's already existing instead of imposing what you think should be the flavor. And so um, we suggest three questions in doing this, and they're easy. Um, it is, uh, what do you see that is, um, what, what are the assets in a given a community? And so I do this through informal, informal surveys. I do it through police ride-alongs. I do it through talking to public officials, people that are uh, persons of peace in a community that really know the layout and have those connections. So tell us about what the assets are. What, what, what's the, and I always start with good because um, God is in every culture. God is in every neighborhood and area. And so we shouldn't think we're invoking God's presence in a given area just because our church is moving in there. God's been there long before our local church has been there. Right. And so we'll always start with that. And then um, what are the, the drawbacks? And so this is where you, um, or the needs, you know, what are the needs? So sometimes you can see the needs on the surface and other times, maybe it's tougher. You go into a suburban area and maybe there's nice homes and there's nice cars and the kids are playing out in the driveway, but what's going on behind closed doors? Is there money issues? Is there marital issues? Is there uh, problems with the educational system? Well, having those informal surveys and talking to folks, you'll find out the needs. And then you ask that third question, well, what are the opportunities? What, what can we do to meet those needs? And I always think that ministry should be reflective of what's already happening in the community. How do you strengthen what's already there? And how do you provide the needs? And that's where your opportunities come in. So if there's a need for an after-school program or community gardens or um, activities for kids, or is it financial classes or parenting class, all those things kind of playing a role. And so when you go to launch a church, you're thinking about how you make those needs met long before you start planning the worship. Then the worship, you start to discover, okay, what are people accustomed to? Uh, what do they desire? You know, it's funny if you ask a hardcore pagan, hey, when do you want to go to church? What day of the week? You know, you'd be surprised. They're not going to say Saturday night or all the cool and trendy things we come up with. They'll tell you Sunday morning because that's what they think of when they think of going to church. And so it's really doing that kind of homework, even with the style of worship you do. So, so let's start moving into the worship. Uh, and Jason, maybe you can hit on this. So if I'm a church plant leader, either as a, as a plant from a large church or a new church, how can I add flavor to my worship experience to reach the community I am in? You want to talk about music and service flow? Give me some of that. Sure. Um, well, uh, I'm a big believer in the idea of creating worship that's more about Monday than it is on Sunday. Uh, so what we do on Sunday really needs to launch into the week and, and beyond. And so uh, we, we do talk in the book about uh, some different um, essential ingredients that, that come into worship. Um, music is certainly one of them, preaching, um, communication, uh, so having kind of one big idea, you know, a lot of the worship that I see 
uh, even if it's got really excellent music. And sometimes I think we confuse music and worship Mm -hmm. because we think of music as the only part of worship that is worship. Mm. (laughs) And for me, it's like preaching is worship. Prayer is worship. Scripture is worship. It's all worship. Um, But uh, I see a lot of worship that feels very disjointed. And so it's uh, a series of random things that happen. Uh, Sometimes I say that we plan worship like it's a pageant. And everybody gets up and they do their act. So the, the music is one act and maybe the spoken word piece or the intro is another act and the scripture is another act and the, the sermon. And if there are a bunch of disparate moments, then uh, it's really hard to walk out and know what to take with you. And so Roz and I do make the argument in this book that uh, if you're going to have a recipe for worship that works, the more narrative that that worship is and that the pieces connect uh, from the music to the preaching to the scripture to even uh, the announcements and action steps that you want people to take, if those are all sort of centered on one big idea, it's much easier to take home. And just a side note, this isn't really in the book, but as I think about both and worship, I also think about how if you're watching worship online right now, we have to consider that we don't have a captive audience in the way that we do in the room. So if one thing happens and the next thing doesn't relate at all, and the next thing doesn't relate at all in the room, you're going to sit there. You're not going to get up and leave in protest. But online, if nothing connects, it's really easy to close the window or to Mm -hmm. scroll on down to the next service in your feed to see if it's better organized. So as we think about the recipe, even for our online worship, how do we start to think about what the one big idea is? Doesn't matter if you're doing really traditional worship or really contemporary or non-traditional worship or camp classics or, you know, whatever, the more we have one big idea, uh, we feel like that's part of the foundation of creating a really great recipe for, for who we're trying to reach today. So it's interesting that we, we bring this up. So me and you both love back to the future. Yes. Uh, we have, uh, uh, I, I geek out over back to the future. So uh, I actually wrote a blog post uh, several years ago. Uh, I think it was with the, what was the day that he traveled back to the future? Like in, uh, in 2015. Anyway, it was like the big moment. The big October. I forget. Or something like yeah, that. Something yeah, something like that. Okay. So I wrote a blog post and the, the idea of the blog post was we need to take our audience on a journey every, every weekend. So yes. we, 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 and, and the, the thought process in the blog post was I'm using this crazy idea of back to the future and so when you walk, when you come into the parking lot, what if you had skateboarders on the, on the skateboard? What if your name tag says, I'm John Doe from the year, whatever. What if you had something in the lobby? What if you had, what, as you walk in, what if the stuff on the screen was movie trivia or something about time travel? Like I was just using the crazy, you know, uh, back to the future as a, an example of taking your audience on a journey. And I think yep. we're hitting on that, that, that is memorable. That is, you know, if it's a bunch of disjointed songs or or elements that don't really fit together, um, you know, if if people walk away from my Back to the Future experience and they realize that I can overcome my past through this through Jesus, you know, yes. the the Satan does not have control over my past. Jesus, you know, my my future can be with Jesus. Like that's my takeaway. That's my the one big idea. Okay. Yep. So maybe speak to that and, and uh, you, you hit on it, you know, uh, t- that everything needs to be connected, but you have any yeah. thoughts on that? 
Yeah, let me uh, let me just share uh, two two things. Um, one is that um, this is the model that Jesus gives us. So, Mark four thirty three. I would encourage your listeners to look up Mark Mark four thirty three. Um, it says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. So every time Jesus taught, he always used a parable. What's a parable? It's a metaphor or an image or a story. He always rooted his teaching in that. Now, not everybody got it. Uh, sometimes the parables were more about raising sacred questions than it was about providing sacred answers. But uh, Jesus was a skilled communicator and knew that those images would bring back that idea and you'd chew on it in your mind. So um, I call this the modern day mustard seed. How do we create modern day mustard seeds? Uh, the second big idea is that if we build it around that, that metaphor, of course, the gospel comes first. It's not that we find the metaphor and stuff the gospel into it. Instead, we look at the gospel and say, what helps communicate it? Right. In the book, we use the example of a service that Roz and I uh, have have been a part of in, in various incarnations called Set in Motion, and we use dominoes as a metaphor. So it's uh, the idea that uh, in John 15, um, Jesus says, as the Father loves me, so I love you, remain in my love. And it's the idea that the domino effect played out, the love of the Father into the Son, into the disciples, into the early church, into someone's life that then goes into yours and then you and out. You get to be a continuation of what God set in motion. So right. in that in-person experience, everybody got a domino when they came in. The graphics on the screen were a domino. I have a little domino animation that I did for the beginning of this service. And then there's actually a prayer in that service where people bring their dominoes forward and we build a rally. And at the very end, the pastor says, uh, you know, some closing words um, as you go into this week be a part of God's movement and what God set in motion. And they hit that domino and it goes all the way across the front of the stage. Uh, and then people maybe come up and grab a domino and take it home. The purpose of all of that is that you have number one, one big idea, but number two, maybe I take that domino home and I put it in my pocket. And every time throughout the week, I put my hand in my pocket, I feel that domino and I, and I remember that I'm a part of God's movement in the world. So it's not creativity for the sake of creativity but creativity for the sake of transformation. And it really follows the model that, that Jesus gave us uh, there in Mark, Mark 4.33 of, uh, of using metaphor. Love it. Introducing monthly custom media plans from 1230 Media. Affordable, no-contract monthly plans for custom graphic design and video for your church. Custom sermon series designs, announcement graphics, social media graphics, sermon bumpers and trailers, promotional videos, countdowns, church announcement videos, and more. Choose between custom graphics, custom video, or graphics and video plans. Harness the power of a full creative team every month to serve your church or ministry with plans starting at only $600 per month. Join hundreds of churches using 1230 Media to transform your worship experience. Get started today at 1230.media slash pricing. That's 1230.media slash pricing. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on the show this week. Next week, we will continue our discussion with Jason and Roz. Next week, we'll get into more of how you can craft your worship experience for your local dive. We'll talk about music selection, service flow, uh, how to 
uh, include creative elements in your worship experience that your community uh, will enjoy and connect with. So we'll wrap all that up next week on the podcast. Be sure to grab uh, Jason and Roz's book, From Franchise to Local Dive. You can go to franchise to the number two dive.com. Franchise to dive.com. Well, thank you guys so much for hanging out. Go out there and create some incredible physical and digital worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.